Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do Liberty Spikes, you're going to do them all around your head. Like, I remember I did it, and they're such a pain in the ass, too. Like, I, yeah, I think you, I either, only... you either go fully stupid or, or not stupid at all. <laughs> exactly. You go full, full bore. Full bore like a truffle pig. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we would Greenland or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about That 80s Show. That 80s Show went 13 episodes with only one season on Fox. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing January 23rd, 2002. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys... Ferg, Gordo, Joe, and Nick. What's going on, guys? hey Nipples. How do you get it up? Uh, not I, the line I thought Joe was going to go with. Uh, I'll was it, I want my tapes back? That's the other one I had. No, no, I'll, I'll get I'll I'll mention it when we get to it. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of these here. Was it the, uh, keep up my black flag on? No, no. We'll get we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I actually instantly thought of you with that one. A lot of black flag. There's a lot of black. I wore a black flag button just to uh, for the occasion today. So that 70s show we covered quite a while back. So now we're doing that 80s show, which is not, um, it's not like, a, it's not a spinoff because there's no like canon for the characters, right? So um, he is, uh, the main character is Eric Foreman's cousin. Really? Yes. Okay. I didn't wow. know that either until I, I saw the that. IMDb trivia. I don't think he ever made an appearance on that 70s show as it his cousin. It didn't last long enough. Oh, on that 70s show. But uh, yes, he is on IMDb as Eric Foreman's cousin. Interesting. And this so is far away because they're in, is it Port Chester, Wisconsin? They're in, um, that's no, that's not it, but. Um, they're in San Diego for this show. Though. They're this in San, San Diego, Diego for yeah. this one, yeah. San um, Diego. In, yeah, sh- hold on, I'll look it up. But yeah, so we, you know, wanted to eventually cover this one anyways. We talked about it a long time ago. That 80s show, um, what's everyone's remembrance of this obviously it had a very short run Nothing. point place by the way point place thank you i remember watching it i watched all of them when it was on and Me i remember too. being like this is so dumb but coming back and watching it i didn't feel that way although there are some things obviously i don't like but i know i didn't remember this enough because i would have for sure remembered the like nine black flag references yeah. including them playing black flag like that would have tracked so i totally wiped all that from my brain i hardly remember it at all i think i watched it after we did that 70s show <laughs> just for shits but um yeah i i've never seen it other than this episode i was I've actually never seen shocked with how much i remembered about this show which i didn't realize until it was in front of me all of a sudden and then like other weird things started coming back like that episode when he writes the song and then they remix it and it gets really popular, but he's mad because it was supposed to be like uh like a love song and it becomes like a new wave song. I remember basically nothing. Um I remember when the show came out, they they really hyped it up because that seventies show was so popular. And I think our generation really romanticizes the eighties. So there was all this added excitement for them to do this. You know, I, I think not just speaking for myself, but I know we're all big fans of like the wedding singer and stuff like that. So a lot of that 80s nostalgia type stuff really does it for us even though we don't have a lot of memories from the 80s we're all born in 85 86 but i remember them really hyping it up and being super excited for the show and then maybe watching an episode or two i don't think i followed up with it after that 
I've never seen an episode. Never seen an episode of this at all. Not shocking. Anybody? Yeah, I was going to say you've podcast. you've seen like no shows. I'm surprised you even saw that '70s show. But the '80s in general is such an interesting decade. People always go back to it too, right? Like you mentioned, The Wedding Singer, which was a huge movie, and that came out. Joe, remember when we maybe? went to go see The Wedding Singer? But Jay didn't go for some reason. I don't know why he didn't come. I know. I, was, I feel like I definitely would have come had I known you guys were going. But yeah, I mean, whatever. But I mean, even now, like Stranger Things or the It remake, like people are still going back to the '80s. Well, so it's just such a I don't know. It's a fun, interesting decade. I watch a ton of 80s TV still, right? Like, I'll go to sleep and watch, like, Quantum Leap or MacGyver or Hunter. Like, I still watch a lot of 80s TV. I listen to a lot of 80s music. I think it's a more interesting visual decade than the 90s or the 70s. So it makes sense to me to go back to it. Plus, you get nostalgia for people now who are, like, 30s and 40s. When we did that 70s show, Ferg made a point about... Uh, we had talked about this show briefly. And Ferg had said that... um one of the reasons this show didn't do good is because they harped on the fact that it was the 80s, which is something that the, that 70s show didn't do. It just existed in the 70s, but this this show harped on it too much. And just from this episode, I really didn't get that vibe. Maybe they do it more. There's a couple after. times for sure. Oh, there um, is. Yeah, yeah, like when they make like the um uh, the reference to the dad's clothes. I forget which show they reference. Uh, Miami like, Vice. Miami Vice. Yeah, I mean, let's like, okay. But I could see that 70s show also doing something similar to that. So I was I was actually delighted to see that that because I was expecting way more of that. And they, it didn't happen a lot. In this there was episode. a few that really flagged to me. I want to point too. them out as we go along. Yeah, um, as I say, we'll get to them. Yeah, but there's a couple of things directly that that 70s show never would have done. And this just overtly even shows clips of things where like that's the point where you're like, OK, this is a little aggressive. Um, like so, yeah. Phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we'll get all into it. So we might as well start. Um, talking about it right now so the first opening scene we see is they're at a place called club berlin and it's it says san diego 1984 this club apparently very small <laughs> but um you get that shot of everyone's dancing and it's one of those things that happens you know how they record it but it was very obvious here usually when they have dance scenes they're not actually playing music in the background because you don't want it to flood out the vocals of you know the actors speaking but this was like painfully obvious that they weren't dancing to the music because the music didn't fit the way they were dancing. The song that was playing was um, Let Me Go by Heaven 17. And the way they were dancing was way more upbeat than the song is. Yeah. I wonder if they initially had a different song they wanted to do when it became like a licensing right. Yeah, I think that happened too because there's a lot of music and we're going to touch on it throughout the whole episode. There's one scene only where they don't use actual licensed music. And I'm like, they definitely had a song in mind and lost the rights to it last minute. This is another show, too. When I was watching it, I was like, this is, you'd think there'd be some nostalgia for this, but also It's Always Sunny had such a big moment where you think that when It's Always Sunny was in, like, season five or something, they would have released this on DVD, like, when the DVD boom was still going on. And all I could think of was, like, they're showing licensed clips of TV shows and music videos, and there's a ton of music in this. Yeah, there's no really way. back themselves into a... um marketing corner as yeah. far as getting this out after the fact goes yeah like i just at this point you didn't have that issue right like you weren't gonna put out whole, like that didn't exist yet putting out like a whole season of something and having to worry about paying the rights for it you but know? in that aspect i do i can see i guess why they did it like that was like they really wanted to go in on the 80s so they were like if this is gonna work we really have to inject this stuff into it so i'm sure it was a calculated risk that they took but i mean the whole thing failed anyway so it didn't matter 
I mean, I'm glad they use real music because it hate when they just go to like cheesy, like, hey, somebody write something that sounds like an 80s new wave song. Like that always fails so hard. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad they paid the money to do real songs. Well, I mean, I think, do you guys think that maybe it's because this is the pilot? Like, I mean, I don't remember a damn thing from any future episodes, but like maybe they just went hard in the paint. Ham, I don't know. I don't will. think so. They had all the hype because of that 70s show going into this, so they didn't need to overdo it. And again, like with the music, they don't really do that in that 70s show either. So I feel like they wrote the format. So why do they deviate so much from it? There's um six songs that they use flat out, play the tracks. And then there's a, a seven song that they sing at the end that we'll talk about mm-hmm. so that they're going to have to pay for rights to just to sing it. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, that's seven songs alone, plus the TV show that you're using. That's a lot of licensing money that you're spending just for background music. I think that's and bullshit, too. You shouldn't have to pay to if, if, you, if you sing a song. <laughs> that, that is yeah. bullshit. That's I'm actually, with you. you play the song, sure. If you sing a Carpenter's song, you don't owe them any money. That's so dumb. I forget that what it is. Somebody and... who studied music publishing, uh, that is actually more money. Because it's in the foreground, you're actually the act. If it's in the background, you, the the reasoning, the rationale is that it can be kind of brought down in the mix or something, and it's not a, a focal point. But when it's a focal point of the uh, of the scene, that's when it actually costs more. Which money. is strange. Well, it's because... a focal point of bullshit. <laughs> it's a focal Don't you point think that could be also nuts. fall under parody, though? No. No, it's not parody because you're using the same no. words. It, oh, yeah, that's true. You would have to change the lyrics. But if you think about it, right, like, so there was a big time where, like, you can track this, like, House is a good example of this, and um, Law and & Order, both SVU and Criminal Intent, right? There was a point where there's one season for each of those shows where every episode is, like, full of real songs and no other season is like that. And I wonder if there was some sort of weird, like, grace period or, like, they hadn't settled something because all these shows started doing it. But it, Gordo, you saying that makes me think of like when other shows do it. Like there's an episode of Cheers where Frazier is on the piano singing Our House by Crosby Stills Nash and Young. Yeah, and Jay brought it up so too huge. with um Jay brought it up with The Office when what was it? Michael Scott saying something. Two Tickets to Paradise. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. Said they that paid one a ton line. of money to Eddie yeah. Money for that. And yeah, um Yeah, because people because the actors are interacting with it. And I think it's so. Superstore too. I think we covered Superstore way back too, if you want to listen to that one. That's another one where I think season one, they used real music throughout it all. And we talked about it when we did that episode. Yeah. And then yeah. shortly after, like, you know what? We're going to just use the elevator music versions of these moving forward. <laughs> this is too expensive of an endeavor. And it's not pivotal to the show. So even though it's fun to hear songs like in here, we're hearing these actual songs. It's not always necessary. You could use generic music here and there. And it's not going to change the the way you feel about the show. To coin a to turn a coin of wheat from <laughs> the 80s. Um, I don't know. It's something Joe would say. Uh, to turn, like, correct. To turn when a, I say things, whether or not you know them, they're real things. To turn that a was coin just of gibberish. wheat from the 80s. You combine about nine different... <laughs> so to, you would use the Muzak version of things. That was correct. a thing in, 80, in the 80s. This WCW um, theme music. It... And there's our first wrestling reference. I was going to say, minutes, there yeah. it is. Well, there is. It's called sound alike, right? That's an actual thing in music yeah. where like people write songs to sound just enough like a popular song, but not enough that you'll get in trouble. And that's used all the time. And that falls into like the TBS catalog, like the WCW songs. Okay. 
So let's get back into the actual the scene itself because we've done a, <laughs> a, a nice little history on um uh, music and licensing rights. But um, so we're in the club itself and we meet Corey for the first time. Corey played by Glenn Howard and who we know from Always Sunny mostly now. Uh, I forgot he was in this show I until recently. I was so shocked. That was like one of the only things I did remember. Same. Yeah, th- this was before he learned how to act. Like, yeah, there's there's some bad, there's I some good and bad actually. Okay. He gets better, but there's some parts where he's bad, and some parts where I'm like, okay, he's there's Dennis. I have, maybe some... I look at it with a little bit of nostalgia, be, not nostalgia because I don't, I've never seen this show, but like I like him as an actor at Always Sunny. So, so now you're excited to see him in something, exactly. And I I kind of forgave him more because I know yeah. what he is now. Yeah, and at this point in 2002, is there anything we would know him from no not this really. is no. no this is pre pretty much everything and uh i would be remiss to not mention ap bio which is definitely a coming soon for our podcast that's a great show yeah i actually but i also, started that didn't finish it but i got some oh, interesting great. glenn howerton info that i don't think we got into when we did um always oh, sunny is it uh, that his cameos in both crank one and crank two are fucking amazing because his character <laughs> he's the doctor right is yeah who gets shot <laughs> yeah. in the second one yeah, yeah. um his father was a fighter pilot, so he bounced around. He lived in, he was born in Japan, lived in Arizona, New Mexico, England, and South Korea, all before he was 10. He's a Juilliard graduate, which I did not know. And his middle name is Franklin. So his name is Glenn Franklin, not to That's be confused funny. with Ben Franklin, also famous for Philadelphia. And also, well, Franklin, we got ourselves a pumpkin, which I think is one of the funniest <laughs> lines ever said on It's Always Sunny. And I yeah, my last turtle. one here is that him and Eric Foreman are cousins, which I had absolutely no recommend, uh, recollection of whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder didn't know if they that. do mention it later on. Like the, the actual people? No, the, the, the characters. characters are not him. Oh, okay, Bruce. okay. I, I was going to say that would be a... He's also playing Freddy, Freddy in the upcoming new Scooby-Doo. Oh, nice. Uh, I thought he was going to be the new Freddy Krueger. The Juilliard thing doesn't surprise me. If you think about him and It's Always Sunny, he's like a tour de force. He plays so many different insane characters so spot on. You know what I mean? Like, he's a really good actor. Yeah. But yeah, at any event, he's uh, he's in the club, and he's dancing with this girl. And right next to him is what we find out his ex-girlfriend, Sophia, who's also dancing with another person. And he's saying to her, like, oh, this is awkward since, you know, we just broke up. And she's like, well, no, it's not because we broke up. And he's like, well, I wasn't really sure when you said you wanted to meet other people. I didn't know that meant not me, which was a terrible line. And now she, uh, he starts talking to the guy that she's dancing with. He's like, what are you, a stockbroker? I'm a struggling musician who wrote two ballads about her last week. I thought the writing here again, I thought the whole, the line before that about meeting other people was weird. I also thought it was weird that he introduced himself as a struggling musician and not just a musician. Yeah, that's interesting. Probably more common in the 80s to refer to yourself as that, maybe. It's just not the way you would present yourself. If you're a musician, (laughs) you wouldn't be like, oh, and I'm not paying my bills. Like, you you don't refer to yourself as a struggling musician. Well, maybe, like, you expect the follow-up question of, oh, what would I have heard you know because if you tell somebody you're a musician you're like oh would i have heard of anything but if you tell them that you're a struggling musician they'll be like okay he sucks <laughs> i'm not gonna know anything he's done i will this say though i've never ever... full of struggling musicians yeah, i never right use the term musician people are like oh are you a musician be like no i play guitar like saying you're a musician seems like weirdly pretentious or something oh also uh his ex-girlfriend is fucking brandy from joe dirt 
<laughs> she's in a lot of she's in um white chicks i i don't know if you read this part of her audition for this show was a cameo in that 70s show not a cameo but like a small yeah, like guest four spot. years earlier well no they said that she her like episode or her episode no the ep- no it wasn't even like the same character but her episode premiered like the night before this episode came yeah out, yeah that's like what that. it was yeah so I uh, thought that was interesting. It's like, oh, part of your audition is we're going to use you for the other show. It's not an audition. That means you already had her in mind and you're just trying to double dip and make it sound like this is part of it because they need someone to fill that spot in the other show. Get paid. But uh, she didn't end up with Kid Rock. <laughs> so um, <laughs> she informs him that um, this guy that she's dancing with, she just met him in the bathroom. Do you think they met in the men's room or the women's room? Who's um, in the other room looking for love? I don't think it was a looking for love I scenario. I took it as a they were doing coke in the bathroom. Hey, do you want a bump scenario? And Even if one of all the stalls were full in one, you go into another. I guess, yeah. I do love going back on that, though. How uh, That 70s show, they always had all the weed jokes. This one's because it's the 80s. It's just <laughs> a lot of, cocaine joke after cocaine joke. They go hard on cocaine. I mean, they're not wrong either. That no, shit was like. It's just funny. Wild cocaine popular. back when there wasn't fentanyl in it. Like, I wouldn't do coke now anyway, because, you know, I'm a thousand, but the idea of doing coke now is so terrifying, whereas back then it was like, the worst cocaine you could get would be like, it gives you gas, because they put some baby formula in it. <laughs> now it's like, cocaine will fucking kill you! It's like, well, that doesn't sound fun. It's crazy, like, if you ever find, like, a an old magazine, they were typically in, like, the Playboys and stuff like oh, that. Oh, good old from, cocaine ads. Uh, legit. Like, oh. in the back of Playboys was all the, like paraphernalia you could get like the little jars that had the spoons in the cap gold plated like, razor containers stuff, could, it yeah. was just full of like cocaine shit i'd like to try me some of that cocaine what just so it was just like paraphernalia yeah 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 you couldn't buy like coke from playboy but... right but like stuff to carry it stuff to cut it like the gold plated cocaine razor blade that you wore as a necklace was like a big 80s thing for like if you had like a ton of money and yeah so she makes it very clear to Corey as they're talking like we're broken up. Like, you understand that, right? So they're, they're kind of having this. And then she kind of dances off screen. And that leaves him with the girl that he was originally dancing with. And he's yelling at her, uh, Sophia, off screen that he wants his tapes back. But goes back to dancing, but just kind of stops himself. And goes like, what am I? I hate dancing. And just kind of walks away from that girl that he's with. And then, you know, Nick, you said before you don't think there's a lot of, like, just cheap 80s stuff. Then it just randomly cuts to two business guys who just are there for no reason and go, hey, is my nose bleeding? No, you're good. And it's just like such a, hey, it's yeah. the 80s. We did coke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they really yeah. drive in that stuff. There's a couple of those later, too, where it's like just off characters who aren't part of the show. We were like, okay. That's just to be like, hey, 80s reference. Even and, the um, second they, they fucking, the second they cut on the club when they show them dance on the crowd, I think it's hilarious when you see A, the way they dance, and B, the way they're dressed. Yeah, that, yeah. there was some canned laughter. It was very out of place. From here, we have a, like a transition. Now, that 70s show, and we had talked about it, in that 70s show, for at least their pilot episode, they were all over the place with their transitions. And I know it became like a big staple of the show, but there it was like, they didn't know which one they wanted to use yet, so they just threw a bunch of shit at the wall. Here, they are pretty much, we're doing the record flip thing. Yeah. So they have a lot of custom album covers that they're flipping through, which they use in the intro too, but it's also for the transition scenes. So like this one, it just says, the next day at home, and there's like the album cover says that with like a drawing of a house. Um, how did you guys feel about using like these types of transitions? 
I like this, but I did miss the uh, that seventy show. Ooh, 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 which is yeah, the best like thing ever. Riff, that seventy yeah. show. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I thought it worked for what it was. For I like that the when 80s. they do it for the theme song that they have kind of like a specific thing they're going for for each character. Like we haven't gotten there yet, but I do enjoy like when you can flesh it out to the transitions are in reference to the people. I think that's a pretty good idea. I didn't like the theme. We'll get to we'll get to the theme in a minute. So um, here we have Corey. I keep wanting to call him Glenn, by the way, every single time I see him. Corey walks into his like kitchen dining room area where his sister and his father are. His father, played by Jeff Pearson, who we've covered before in not only the lost episode of Pete and Pete that we're never going to put out, mm-hmm. but also uh, from Unhappily Ever After, which we covered a while back. Hey, speaking yeah. of Unhappily Ever After, Jay, how's your Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> impression coming? You know what? It, it's, it's funny because I've been saying this to you almost every time you ask, and it's really enlightened me to how often I've been getting sick lately, but I'm <laughs> sick right now and I have like no voice. Jay's so been terrible. sick for three months. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Every fucking Thursday. You think it's the like <laughs> the ten hours of sleep per week I get is maybe contributing to that a bit? No, I think it's just you dodging the Bobcat Coltwood impersonation. That's what it is. Sick it's on a, purpose. Or maybe Someone, he's been doing the impression in the mirror so much it's fucking up his my, throat. My throat's dry sick. from it. Yeah. yeah no, so you're not going to do it? Not today. Someone put a hex on me because I have I've been avoiding it. <laughs> it was Bobcat. Maybe guys, maybe episode 100. Maybe maybe I'll 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 we're do some practicing. There, so yeah, we're getting careful. close. I think it's like 82, 83, something like that right now. So you should we're, do we're... the whole intro in <laughs> Bobcat's voice. You better. Bro, you're welcome, everybody. That's what you want. Terrible, Bobcat. <laughs> exactly, CJ. It was terrible. It was terrible. So you can do it. No, but now there's been so much built up to it that if I don't deliver, you know. I don't know, Gordo just fucking set the bar really low. You know what I'll do is when the time finally comes, which, you know, maybe maybe for 100, I'll ask Gordo to do one first to really, like, lower the bar. So when I do it, um, it can't possibly be worse. But yeah, in any event, Corey walks into the kitchen and he's like, I've got some bad news. Sophie and I broke up. And his dad replies with, I've got some bad news myself. Kids, your mother and I split up. And Corey's like, yeah, that happened two years ago. Like, I know, I just love saying it. At that point, he definitely gave off a vibe much like his character in Unhappily Ever After. It feels just like his character, Unhappily Ever After. Did Unhappily Ever After come after this? No, before. That was was 90s. This is early 2000s, yeah. This was the 80s. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this show came out in the 80s. (laughs) Oh, right, yeah. And this is pre-him Dexter. This is one of those shows where, like, had it not failed, other shows we love might not look the same way, like, yeah. Again, it's always Sunny's the big one, but even like Dexter, right? Like would have been slightly off and different. You just tie up actors, yeah. So you don't yeah. know like what their futures hold. No, who's and the uh the girl, the sister? The sister is played by Tinsley actress. Grimes. Yes. Tinsley Grimes, whose biggest role I would say is in the heart wrenching and gut wrenching film Never Been Kissed, which I've heard kind of emotion to spout out of a human being. I don't <laughs> Uh, you know what's funny? We we went over this story before. So long story short, and I wish I could direct you to the right episode, but long story short, me and Joe watched that um that movie, Never Been Kissed, and both may have gotten a little watery-eyed towards Misty. the end of it. I wish I could transcribe my recollection of it to just being on the other side of the room watching you two cry at Never Been Kissed. Cry is not the right word. <laughs> I would I'm say someone cry. who cries in everything, and that is not a sad moment. Again, What's wrong with you guys? The clock ran out. The clock ran out. Yeah. 
She deserved but, it. She didn't deserve him. Also, Tinsley Grimed stopped acting in 2013 and became a doctor. So she. There's a really career shift. Yeah. You imagine being like, I'm sorry, but the illness is going to kill you. It's it's life. It's it's life ending. I'm so sorry to tell you this. Be like, are you that fucking girl from that 80s show? Did you just tell me I'm gonna die? Like, yeah, yeah, so no, turn moment. your head and cough. Please. Yeah. If I found out that she was my doctor and I like Googled her to like check, you know, if there's anything out on her, and then I, this popped up and I watched the first episode, I'd be like, nope, uh, uh-uh, <laughs> nope. Is she still a doctor? She got it. She got a late start in it because I actually forgot to see how old she was. But in 2021, she was in her fourth year of uh, school. So she like decided very late in life that she was going to be a doctor, which is strange. Which I think that in itself, isn't that the, that sitcom with uh, the wife from Everybody Loves Raymond that came out a couple years ago? I don't recall. Yeah, I don't know what show that is. I forget. I it, it, may, it may not have lasted long, but it was basically like her at like, you know, in her 50s being like, I am going to be a doctor. And it was like. The young interns being like, maybe you should work the elderly ward. Like, that was, like, the whole gist of it. I, 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 didn't hey, watch I know what show you're talking about. I've never seen it, but I've seen, I remember seeing ads for it all the Add time. Add it to the list. I think it was called Bob not Hart's Abishola. Oh, not a sitcom. It is not Bob Hart's Abishola. <laughs> but, um... Episode 100? In any she, event. Is she a practicing doctor? Still? Um, yeah, as of 2021, she was still practicing like she was still in school so i mean if she still in school that's what i'm saying she was in yeah, her she fourth year oh, of medical school in 2021 let's find out where she practices somebody make an appointment with her and then we get an interview for this again that's tempting fate though be like oh i don't want to interview your podcast however i have a concern <laughs> about this lump be like oh no all right person with the best deductible goes well, i'm out <laughs> so uh, um anyways Corey then asks about the smell in the room, and he heads over to his sister, who we were just talking about, and she's making candles. He says that it smells like death, and she goes, death or a pina colada? And he goes, death. I thought when he said death, she was going to like go, ooh, and like write that down like that was going to be the name of the candle, but um, that's obviously not how that went. I will say, though, as somebody who abhors the uh, taste of a pina colada, that candle wasn't like death to me, too. She also says pina colada. Weird. She says like pina. It's technically that's how, how you, you pronounce it. it. That's how you say it. It's pina colada. No, there she, is she an accent it. on the end. I, I understand. There's a there's a squiggly above it, but she culturally just says appropriate. It what do you call that? Oh, it's squiggly. Mm. Well, what do you call it, Mister Mister Spanish Grammar? I'm pretty sure squiggly is a character on Laverne and Shirley, which is a coming or, or, or spammer. Well. Spagrammer. I think accent mark is the term we were taught in school in Spanish class. Regardless, Katie then said Sophia wasn't right for you anyways, and you know, on account of her being a lesbian and all. And Coy says she's not a lesbian, she's bisexual. She's like a vegetarian who likes turkey every now and then. <laughs> Gave me a giggle, but you could definitely not use those lines. That this was, whole oh, that there's was, a lot of yeah. this episode you couldn't do now. That's one of them. I'm also just honestly more offended that if you were going to be vegetarian and pick one meat to eat every once in a while, that you'd I choose go turkey. turkey. <laughs> I would agree. Meat. Me too. I, I would I'm agree. With you. But I know that your pick would be ham, which I also wouldn't think would be the number one meat I would select. Well, honestly, what? I would say, like, who likes a cheeseburger every once in a while? Yeah, that's like, why are we thinking, like, deli meats here? Like, go or it get doesn't a have to be just like a, a type of meat or like, she's like a vegetarian every once in a while, likes a pepperoni pizza. You'd be like, that makes sense. By the way, that little squiggly is called a tilde. Oh, oh. I knew that actually. You know what? So 
Well, that our terrible line, school taught yeah. us it as it's right, yeah, it's not our fault. It's the education system. As I said, it was like, well, that can't be right. So I'll say his line was a little iffy. What his dad says about her right after was way worse. Yeah, this was like, oh, shit. He said it, and I was like, oh, yeah. man. So his dad's like, yeah, look, son, I know you feel lost. You've got this worthless degree in philosophy. Your sister <laughs> is a big wheel in the candle game, and now you've gone and turned a perfectly good woman into a lady golfer. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is 2002, so we're really, like, skirting the line of, like, when jokes like this were commonplace. We're really on, like, the edge of that going away. Oh, they had another 10 years of it being okay. Yeah. And he tells him, uh, it's time to get back in the game. And Katie offers to fix him up with one of her friends. And as she's describing her to, like, um, Corey, his friend Roger enters. And he's asking them to, like, help him pick between two power ties he has. And I just really like the idea of him just walking, like, down the block, just holding the two ties up, like, undecided. So they don't explain it in this episode, but he doesn't live uh, down the block. He actually lives above their garage. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so never, never touched. That's that's why he comes in with clothes, and that's why he drives them to work, because they live in the same... Okay. That never even remotely gets touched on in the sense. Doesn't get touched on, which I feel like is a weird, easy one-liner to make you understand it, but... Very yeah, yeah, Mike, Mike Seaver of him. I was just going to say that, yeah. He's also very Alex P. Keaton. This is very much a <laughs> Michael J. Fox and school ties... Uh, school. Well, yeah, he's like, which one of these... Family ties character. Which one of these says, I will crush you in a hostile takeover? It's like, what does he do for work? He's... Probably what? Like, well, I think Corey says he's 22, so I assume Roger's They're the same age, age, yeah, because they're like best friends from school. And Corey's like, I can't believe there's even a conversation. And Roger goes, time is money, slacker. Let's go, let's go, let's go. The way he said it was super play acting to me. Like, that was like theater acting. It was so not natural, even for a sitcom. Like, I don't know what it was, but something about it the I second I did not I saw like it, him at all. Like, he's so was, over the top this yeah, whole episode. It was not... A good uh, intro to the character. I don't you know think. what it is? I'll, I'll, I had this written for way later, but it's about Roger anyways. And since you brought it up, it makes sense to bring up. Roger's character is somehow flanderized in the first episode, but we haven't <laughs> developed the character yet. Yeah. Right. So everything's about like, oh, girls and this and that. And it was just too much. And I think what happened was if you really look at like the, the where that 70s show at this point was, a lot of those characters got very cartoonish, like, later in the seasons. And where like this Fez. show is, yeah, where this show is starting, all these, like, writers and creators are already of a different mindset than when they originally created it and made a character that's already what would be five, six seasons down the yeah. line and not so much how he should have started off. Yeah, this reminded me, he reminded me a lot of Fez, which is his mannerisms. Like, it, it, it you can kind of see the parallels between people. They also don't explain it in this episode, but he's a used car salesman. Is that what, oh, again? That's not what I would have. Well, when you I say think hostile the, takeover and like power that's because that's what he that's wants to be. That's the point. He's yeah, just he wants to be like he a, makes it an eighties yuppie, but he's actually just like a twenty-something-year-old who sells used cars. So from there, we cut to them in the car together, and Roger's like sitting there doing his hair, and there's this back and forth where the um where Corey will say something and Roger will echo it back. So it's, I'm embarrassed to be seen with you. And then he says it back to him. He says, what happened to you? He says, what happened to you? And then eventually it's just like, best friends, best friends. And I don't know. I thought that was, the best friends part was a little corny. It just didn't yeah. make sense to me. 
Now, I don't know if it's the That 70s Show connection, but I think this should have been the intro to the show. Them in the car with the singing plan and singing. Yeah. Because yeah, it's obviously it a reference point. They might have wanted to get away from being too much, like it looking like it's a direct copy. I but just, um, it, it was. I just thought it fit better. It was a everything. good, it was a fun scene. Because what happens is Roger pops in like a self-help tape, which again is very 80s reference, but it wasn't forced there. So I'll take that. And he's like repeating back everything he's hearing about, you know, like all these positive affirmations you can be doing. Corey doesn't like it at all, pops that out, and then puts in Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. And he, he starts off by kind of saying the lines as if he's reading it like it's a self-help tape. But eventually it cuts into them just both going right into the chorus together and singing along. And that was really fun when they were singing that. I did like once this gag started getting going, like it was funny when he was doing the, you know, you may ask yourself thing, and then them both <laughs> singing and dancing. Like, that was a good way to transition into the theme, too. Yeah, Roger's doing the robot a lot. He's, he's going real hard on the robot. And then he got his hook stuck in the top of the car. <laughs> I feel like that commercial was around the same time, right? I'm, I can't remember what commercial that is. It's um, Tony Hale from Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. in the car singing. Oh, okay. Mr. Roboto. But then they make fun of him doing that in an episode of Arrested Development, but he has the hook for a hand. He gets the hook stuck. Got it. They're like triple meta, the joke. So yeah, from there we get into the the actual intro of the show, which like I said, it, it's the same as a transition where they're just like flipping through like vinyl covers. And I just, I don't know, I, I wish they didn't use it as a transition before I saw the intro because it kind of spoiled seeing it. But they're doing that and you're just seeing kind of various album covers, each with um, a picture of one of the actors with their name and they're going through everything all the while while playing the song 80s by Killing Joke. So that's, Which, I mean, Ferg said he didn't like. I love this song. I like, I, I like, mean, I don't mean I don't like the song. I don't like the intro. Oh, you don't like it's it. Itself. It's, you think back to that 70s show. That is the most iconic part of the entire series. They kind of had to hit it out of the park with this, and they just didn't. I mean, the idea of Cheap Trick covering Big Star is like the greatest thing in the entire world to me. So I'm right there with you. Like, and it's a song that's very chantable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and 80s by Killing Joke is a great song, but it's kind of, I don't want to say it's plotting, but it's like, do, 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 do. Like, it doesn't change the beat, you know? This was really weird to me because it, it's um, it's one of those, it's, when you look at all the songs in general, not just this, but the whole track list for this episode, and again, we'll get into it as we go along, it's 80s, and it's all 80s for sure, but it's not a, it's not the most conventional lanes of 80s, like, they're not yeah. doing, like, pop and metal and, like, R&B and hip-hop, like, all the... They're going like really niche, and it was a, we a very weird lane for a show that's really pumping in this very characterized decade. I think, though, that part of that is like the whole record store aspect of it, where like if you work at a record store, you know all this stuff. It's like, right. um, what's the movie I'm thinking of? Uh, High Fidelity, right? This is like the clerks in High Fidelity scenario where it's like they're cooler than you, they're making fun of the records that you're buying, they know all this other stuff. So they're going to obviously know like Black Flag and the Smiths and all this stuff. Yeah, just um, it just was interesting to me. Like, obviously, it's like these are all songs I legitimately like, but not what I would have thought the Fox's representation of the '80s would be for a show like this. Yeah, Aside it from been like flock, it should have been like tracks. flock of seagulls and shit like that. Yeah, like, that's what you expect it to be. And yeah, so from that intro, unless anyone else has anything to say about the intro, oh, I do want to say I did enjoy that. If you if you notice when they go through all the records when they get to the dads. Is actually the cover of the Miami Vice soundtrack. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have picked up on that, but that's nice that they that attention to detail was there. Yeah, it's like the actual 
uh album cover and they just like superimpose like him instead of a uh, crockett and tubs but when i saw that i was like oh that's a that's a nice little like joke because everything else it's like it's a punk record it's got an english flag or it's a two-tone ska record it's got checkerboard like it was all kind right. of just like a representation of what an album would be then and then they just really stick the album cover for uh money vice in the um the next scene we're now in the record store for the first time and uh, in the background the whole time, you mentioned the Smiths. The Smiths, uh, what difference does it make is playing in the background. I want to try to focus on at least mentioning all the songs because it was such a big part of this show. This customer walks up who's very dressed as Madonna in, in this era. Uh, She's she like walks true up, blue era Madonna, like a virgin era Madonna. Right. And she walks up and she asks the woman behind the counter where the Lionel Richie section would be. And she goes, oh, uh, let me think. P... W, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, do you know the alphabet? Because I don't think that's just how that went. <laughs> wrong, wrote the, wrote the wrong key in my notes. So, you know, so P, Q, which is next to W. Um, and then she goes, R. Oh, yeah. So wait, written down in your notes, you wrote P, W. I'm typing. I'm, li- I'm just typing my notes. Oh, okay, so the W right. and the Q are next sense. to each other. So um, just a typo. But as I'm reading it, it's I'm Ron Burgundy. That, I'm, it's just one of those. From the people that the brought you Goro math, we get yeah. J spelling. <laughs> J typing. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, yeah. So it's P-Q-R. Oh, yeah. It's up my butt. I didn't think that line was funny at all. I think That line did not land. Gordo, no. did you think it was funny? I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I know. Did, it, just, I mean... it didn't fit. I don't. It just seemed a little too... If Bart Simpson was behind the counter, then yeah, I'd expect it. But this woman saying it just out of nowhere just didn't. Why are you being unnecessarily rude to this girl? But the thing is that everything else she says later on in this entire episode fits her character. And this is the one line that does like the PQR thing fits. Yeah. And then that the button doesn't work. And then she doesn't say anything like that again for any of her other uh, lines. And that's I think what makes it even stand out even further because you're like, that seems odd. And then she doesn't go back to that well. Yeah, like, if she's going to be sarcastic, I could see her going, like, oh, um, P-Q-R. Oh, why don't you check over uh, over there with the E's for Lionel Rich E? You know what well, I mean? Like, yeah. I could see her saying that instead. Maybe it's, it's funny just you brought throwing... up. Sorry. No, it's fine. I was just saying, it was funny you brought up Clark's a few minutes ago, because it was very Randall, like, from Clark at the video store. It's also a question, too, be like, what do you mean you don't have ice cubes? After drinking this coffee hot? It's like when they have that montage of all the characters <laughs> saying dumb shit. Yeah, I just and, wonder if it's just um, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't know. It just, I just felt like the, I thought Margaret's character and Margaret, whose like, actual name is Margaret Smith. Margaret Smith, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it was probably like a last minute. The vibe I got was that it was almost like this last minute character swap because a lot of her lines didn't seem to fit her. So I don't she, know. It just, it just, I don't know. Something seemed off about her character. Not that I just, she was very her character, up and down. I noticed yeah, it too. I feel like maybe the part was written for someone else and then she came in later. And then some of those lines just didn't make as much sense when she said them. And her style of comedy and her voice was different than the voice that it was written for. Maybe it was written for Gilbert Godfrey. P Q R. Up your butt. Why don't you check up your butt? See, now that would have worked. If it was Gilbert, I can see it. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Take my yeah. Money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put Gilbert or Jim Varney with that line. I'm there all day long. And uh, yes, and she kicks her uh, out as soon as that happens, too. And then from there, we have Corey walking in. He 
apologize to Margaret right away for being late. And she's like, oh, you're late? I need to get a clock in this place. She's a little aloof at this yeah, point. Yeah, she's kind of aloof. She kind and of is like what she, I mean, uh, Tommy Chong's Tommy character. Tommy Chong, I was going to say exactly what I thought thing. Yeah. in that 70s show, yeah. But she's a stand-up, right? I don't think she did much before this. Yeah, I don't know. I only really know her as, I don't even know her that well as a stand-up. I just know that she is one. I she don't also know didn't do much after this. I was going to say, I know she didn't do much stuff. after. Well, do you know what you'd recognize her the most from? Well, I mean, you might not re- remember Probably her Probably Rugrats but... in Paris, right, bro? Because that's what <laughs> I just Probably Rugrats in Paris. You're dumb babies. No, she's the school crossing guard who's buying all this, helping them sell all the cigarettes in Goodfellas. And that scene where they like arrest Joe Pesci, oh, young Joe Pesci and young, uh, what's his face? She's like, that's, I mean, that's the one thing that I'm like, oh, I know her from that. Did you recognize her? Or did you like look her up and then like it flagged? Or like when you first saw her, did that? No, I looked, at, I looked her up and I was, it said she was in Goodfellas. And then I was like, oh, I know who she is in Goodfellas. Okay. Okay. And then that's when he asks her if he can play his cassette, which was, um, she looks at it and goes, oh, the happy sounds of Black Flag, having a bad day, baby. That's when I was like, that line was not written for her. Her no. saying baby makes no sense. It also, made me I, think she was his mother because it was supposed to come off as sarcastic, but it came off as motherly. Like she was like, oh, are you okay, yeah. baby? Like, yeah. Also, I, thought- like, I would have remembered three different Black Flag references. I couldn't believe that they go so heavy. They play Black Flag. They mention it by name once and then show like a flyer weird. like towards the end yeah yeah it's just really weird like basically closes out on a sh- on like a shot of a black flag poster like out Which, in the alley. i've got something to say about that when we get there well all right we'll get there i thought um, that like she was his mother because no. his father said that he divorced and so you don't know anything that's and why another said, reason why i thought that's who she was too i could see assuming that this character is his mother at this point yeah, I didn't flag that, but when you say it, I'm like, oh, I can see that for sure now, yeah. Like, and he works at his mom's business, because then later on he works at his dad's business. Yeah. Actually, that's that's actually maybe some good writing we could have put in there. I would say that that would make sense up until, like, the next things you're hearing her say. Because he's telling her, like, you know, my girlfriend dumped me for a woman. She's like, that happens. My music career isn't a career. That happens. And my hip dad wants me to get in the game. And then she says her mom stopped telling her what to do when she was 17, of course, at the time she was living with Jim Morrison. This, by the way, we talked about Glenn Howden's acting, the worst delivery of anything anybody said this whole episode. When he said Jim Morrison is a god, yeah. it was so overdone and fake that it was, it was like cringy. Well, probably because he had to deliver a line like that that was such a lie that it just hurt him to say. Because someone said paid me to say Jim Morrison's a god, I would have delivered it the same way. Like, he's a god. Fuck that guy. Yeah, everyone knows Lemmy is god. Lemmy is god, and Jim Morrison sucks. Regardless, uh, R.I.P. to both of you. Joe, don't chime in and say just to one. Just one. Um, (laughs) Margaret replies with, a god who thought my breasts looked like mushrooms. (laughs) And there's a pause, and before she even goes on, I didn't know if that was supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Hard to track that. And does that mean because she thought, did he think they were magic mushrooms? Was he trying to eat did her? He's trying to eat her titties. Yeah. <laughs> and was it sexual or it, was he like a truffle pig? Like, I don't know how she this She eventually out. like goes on to say beautiful mushrooms, but there was such a long pause that I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to react like that was a negative or a positive thing he said to her. Has anybody ever heard titties being described as mushrooms no that's why i couldn't negative track no, just what dicks. that meant yeah like i get like a dick Tip. but do you no- <laughs> yeah all the time man <laughs> well it time. was being said by jim morrison who basically spent 99 percent of his life saying complete gibberish so i imagine that maybe they're just going on that 
And okay. if he touched her boobs and they were like Mario Brothers mushrooms and she, he just grew. <laughs> oh, he grew all right. Oh boy. Um Evil King Cooper. So now uh he goes on to tell her that, you know, he's twenty two now, he just wants to make music. He's not really ready to do this whole corporate thing. And that's when a girl walks in and she's dressed in what I would say is like kind of the more generic punk rock look if you were to tell someone like what do you envision someone in punk attire to look like she's got a uk82 look about her and except that haircut tall. i will say and gordo i think you can back me on this one right lifetime of uh you know growing up in, in punk rock and everything that's not a haircut anybody has nobody that the back doesn't make sense she would have had full liberty spikes or she would have had a different haircut that's not a that's not a standard punk rock haircut. she had very long spiked hair for those of you who haven't seen it it's but the, in the back, they didn't quite commit to the rest of her hair. Yeah. No. But it's not like it was spiked and it started falling down because she like fell asleep on it, which is like a classic look, right? Like you have super mm-hmm. big spiky hair and you go to bed and now it's all kind of like pushed or whatever. They just didn't do the back of her hair, which looked super weird. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do Liberty spikes, you're going to do them all around your head. Like I remember I did it and there's such a pain in the ass too. Like. I, yeah, I think you I either only... you either go fully stupid or or not stupid at all. <laughs> exactly, you go full full bore, full bore like a truffle pig. <laughs> I like how that's a second truffle pig reference yeah. in like two minutes. Corey says to Margaret as he sees her walk in, "Ooh, punk rock rooster, twelve o'clock." She walks over and goes, "Did you just make some small-minded middle-class comment about me, bud?" And I was like, "All right, poser, what the fuck does that mean?" That's that's just gibberish you think a punk would say. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it, it comes It tracks, through. though. Yeah. It tracks. I do like that she says he has a blue lagoon haircut, though, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I, I, I do want to mention, too, that um, this is played by... Nick, you said her name's Kyler? Yeah, Kyler Lee. It's Kyler spelled Lee. with a C-H-Y, but it's Kyler. Yeah, so it looks like Chyler Lee, but Kyler Lee. Um, Famous from Not Another Teen Not Movie. Not Another Teen Movie, yeah, is the one thing I would know her from. Ferg, you don't know her from the DC Universe? No, I don't watch Supergirl, but I know that's what you're talking about. But she, Yeah, she, apparently she was in Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, a bunch of the other ones as Alex Danvers. So, so she's working a bunch still. Yeah. She also, um, interesting, later in the episode when they're talking about the marketing, um, the sister, I think it was, makes a Where's the Beef joke. About how, you know, marketing. Um, yeah. One of Kyler Lee's first jobs was in a Wendy's commercial. So I wonder if that was like a back to her. I like the idea that she was dressed up in makeup as one of the old ladies from Where's the Beef? <laughs> She's the old lady. <laughs> Who, I want to say they were at WrestleMania 3 or 4. The Where's the Beef ladies. It's like my favorite, like Vince McMahon calling like, and the ladies from Where's the Beef? Like, okay, I don't think we quite got the star power this time, bud. She'll always be Janie with her ponytail and paint on her overalls and glasses. I was going to say, from one of the most famous um, early comedic masturbation scenes in a movie. <laughs> right there with Howard the Duck. Oh, no. Howard the Duck is by duck far tits. the funniest and weirdest. Duck tits. Woo-hoo. Duck. Female duck masturbation in a tub scene is the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. Is that where duck milk comes from? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I believe Howard the Duck, yeah, that was actually, they won the Oscar for female duck masturbation scene in the tub that year. Yeah, weirdly, they only had that uh, category for one year. (laughs) The only award they won was a Razzie. Yeah, Joe, you mentioned the Blue Lagoon thing, because that was, um, that was the haircut reference she shoots back at him, like, 
uh, when you go to the barber, did you ask for the Blue Lagoon? And he goes, when you go to the barber, do you ask for the Stegosaurus? And I don't know why. I thought that was really <laughs> funny. I laughed so hard at that. I Have you guys ever why. seen Blue Lagoon? No. No. Uh, I, it's so famous, and I know I've seen parts of it, but it was like, it was so famous because it was like, oh, look at these two naked kids for an entire movie. Yeah, that's it's super weird. Oh, it's that movie. Yeah, yeah it's Brooke Shields and um, I forget the the guy's name who has the big fluffy hair. But essentially, it's like them as naked kids, and then they grow up, and then they're naked teenagers, and it's just like boob and dick swimming scenes for like two hours. And there's an old guy at one point who gets shipwrecked with them, who like dies from drinking a barrel of rum, like one of those dogs. It's like it's the weirdest movie. I remember seeing it when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, like it was like on Encore or something and just being like, I am wholly confused by what I just watched. You said you were 12. No, you were like, boobs. And you just, yeah, you were, you were rubbing it. That was like, I was probably more excited about the idea of dying, drinking a bottle of rum at that point. And now at this point, Margaret then introduces Corey to Tuesday, which is her name, and says she works here now. It's supposed to be like a play on Wednesday, Adams, because she's all pale too. I don't know what it was, to be honest. No, I don't know if they get know. into it in a later episode, because he does ask her, he's like, oh, Tuesday, that's kind of an interesting name. And then she just goes, blah, 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 and walks off. Just, <laughs> okay. I don't quite get that. I mean, their chemistry is very weird in this. They don't have the story arc that makes sense by the end of it to me. Derek, Eric and Donna, they are not. <laughs> well, you know what it is? When you... And we'll learn more about these characters later, but you kind of find out Corey does come from like a punk rock background and stuff. So it's not like they live in two completely different worlds, really. Sure. Um, they're both record store employees. So yeah. obviously they are big music fans. Yeah. Like I'm sure as they get to know each other better, there's more there. But yeah, right off the bat. I mean, you don't expect it, but he comes in and asks to play a copy of Black Flag, slip it in at work. Like, right. He doesn't look like that kind of guy, but that's what he was listening to probably in his car and wanted to listen to at work. Yeah. And so it's one of those. Which the cassette tape probably looks something like this. Oh, there it is, for those of you listening. But yes, uh, Joe has the cassette in question that Corey was trying to play at the record store. So that scene ends, and next we get to just the TV. And there's a couple times where they did this. They do it again later, but they're just it's literally a shot of a TV playing Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield video. We find out that it's because Katie is watching that in her living room. But it just starts with a good, like, 10 seconds of the music video, which, again, it's like, why are you paying for all this? This is the egregious. This and the Dynasty thing just don't make sense to me. Like, you can mention them. That 70s show would have played you a little audio and let you yeah. understand what was happening. And that's why it always worked. This was just too heavy-handed. You also, you, you spent half your budget on transitions. Like, <laughs> if you started with Katie already on the couch singing along, you'd get it. I didn't need to actually see the music video. As much as I do actually love that song and music video, I don't need to see it in this episode. I mean, it's a catchy song. It's a great song. Great song. So played. Oh, come on. But yeah, Katie's sitting there and she's singing it while drinking a wine cooler and even gets up and starts doing some of the dance from the music video until the doorbell rings. It was, it was real quick. I know it comes up in a second, but have any of you ever had a wine cooler? Yes. Yes. I feel like I don't uh, yeah, know I think, who the market is for them anymore. I've had a, I've had a couple of them, like Bartles and James or whatever. Well, they've kind of they moved on. Um, I remember like when I was a kid on vacation, like my mom would get like a six pack of them. My mom's not a big drinker, but like if we went to like New Hampshire for the week, she might have a couple by the pool. Uh, the same people that drink hard seltzers is who would drink a wine cooler. 
That's well, not see, true. I don't think so because hard seltzer sort of took off for everybody. This is more like a Zima. I was going to say Zima. Yeah. Yeah. But well, what what I was going to say is that's what I meant by it's kind of evolved. I think Gordo's kind of right in the fact where I don't think this is the equivalent to a seltzer, but the general target audience doesn't drink things like that anymore. There's not even a lot of things like that that kind of exist. No, not it's, not even, it's not even close because it's, it's it's not carbonated or anything. It's I'm not saying it is just wine. And well, he's a, saying a it was the evolutionarily the, like that was the first step and then it came to these this like, is what not the that same, audience but... would drink now like the people who drank wine coolers then if they were of the same age in today's world would be that, drinking like it's the people who don't like liquor and beer like it's yeah. the i need yeah. something same thing sweet. With the, yeah like twisted teas and stuff yeah, like that like you know, they'd be drinking those things as well yeah i guess this sort of begats zima and then zima begats uh like twisted tea which begats uh What's Zima's back. What's the thing people did the you take one knee for? Oh, oh yeah, off ice, smearing off ice, ice yeah. and then that's turned into holy uh, fuck! <laughs> I forgot. You remember brown bitches? We made those in my basement a few times. Oh, I've God. never been more drunk in my entire life than <laughs> those no, were so that dangerous. Thing will fuck you up more than a brown yeah. bitch. So yeah, for those of you who never and did, uh, we don't even know if this was a real thing or what made us do this originally. I know, I know. I, I, I actually, you know, it. thinking back, is that kind of racist <laughs> I, well, I don't, I don't think it was i think it's he only called it that because of the color it turned uh you, you probably shouldn't say bitch though i guess <laughs> like in the team but the person who we found the, out about this was the musician david bazan who was like in pedro the lion and a lot of solo records he had like a video of him very drunk being like this is what we've been doing like on tour or whatever uh so it came from somebody i found it and then one day i was like we should all try this yeah. and we all got cross-eyed drunk so what you do is you get a smirnoff ice and you drink it down to the label and then you replace that with whiskey then you put your thumb over it flip it over and boy are they strong it's essentially a whiskey sour on steroids it's a whiskey sour malt liquor it's the worst combination of things for your body and we all got six packs. Like, yeah, we're going to drink six of these. We could have split a six pack four ways and been totally fine. Yeah, there was a lot of warm, full bottles of those uh, Smirnoff yeah, ice and around at the end of the I want to make it known that we're talking like a good almost 20 years ago. When oh, we're yeah, doing this is like a long What, you think it would ago. be different today? You'd no, be but I'm saying today. I don't want people to think that we as grown men are sitting like, oh, yeah, in someone's no, living room no. like, all right, let's get some Smirnoff ice and whiskey <laughs> and have ourselves a night. No. I think the only difference now would be that we all would have the moment where we're like, okay, this is stupid. I'm going to bed. Whereas back then you're like, you're trying to stay up and trying to drink more. Now you sort of know your limits enough to be like, this is, I'm calling this. It's over. Speak for yourself. I'll never know my limit. <laughs> Cut to it, Ferg in the tub. Like, <laughs> pushing toys out toys. of the tub. <laughs> if I remember though, they didn't taste bad. No, I recall them being like, pretty that good. That was like the point. Like they didn't taste uh, bad. Leave it in your memory. I'm sure if you would have like, out of curiosity, make one this weekend, you'd go, should have left it in the past. <laughs> what, was, what was the orange juice one you used to do? Brass Monkeys. Brass Monkeys. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. just, you, yeah. You, Those same don't the same thing, though. but with a 40 of my liquor. Yeah, not taste good. I'm uh, not to get on too much of a tangent as we've been talking about this, but it's it's funny now where I'm, I'm such a beer guy, you know, I don't know if we've talked about it much on these episodes, but I'm, I'm a big beer guy. And I think back then my go-to was King Cobra. Like I thought that was, the most highest of quality was a nice I 40 ounce King Cobra. I remember on more than one occasion, you falling asleep with King Cobra 40s duct taped to your hands. I did like Edward 40 I mean, hands 40 a couple hands, yeah. times. 
Um, but... <laughs> Jay, what I used to love too is at your own detriment, we'd like go to a house party or something. You know, everybody would grab like whatever their cheap beer was, right? Like Rolling Rock or High Life or PBR or whatever. And you would get a 30 of the worst beer ever. And your reasoning for it was you would know if somebody was stealing your beer. Because nobody else at the party would have yeah, a 30 of Yeah, you brought that up before. I'll tell you. And then you'd have to drink Red Dog no, all night. You've no, accused me of this in a prior episode. I swear, I, I don't. Red Dog was not my beer. No, it you was had Red Genesee. Dog at a Russell party once. I know it. We all that's drink Genesee something, Cream Ale for something a you did. No, Genesee Cream Ale was it. great, though. That is no. the worst hangover you'll ever get. Yeah, Genesee no. Cream Ale is a bad hangover, but no. it was very tasty. Mad Dog 2020. That's well, those, the worst. Not talking beer. about beer hangovers, I guess, though. But yeah, Mad Dog's a bad hangover. Mad Dog recently, actually. Who is their demographic? Us. Homeless people? Uh, like that's what I'm saying. Olds, it has yeah. to be homeless kids. It's like hobos. No, it's for kids. They look like they're delicious, but they're not. They are not, no. I know. Blue Raspberry Bling Bling still has a yeah. soft spot in my heart. I can literally taste it right now. Like, <laughs> it's like... The last Ugh. time I had it, we were playing a show, like a basement show, and uh, I saw I Kelsey and I split one. She slammed her hand in the car door that night and broke her finger. We had to go to the hospital the next day. Then any picture of us playing is just like a blur because I'm just like falling at every picture. Like I'm not like stable at all. It was awful. And that would have been like when we were like 25. What a terrible night. You broke your hand. Here's some mad dog. We were being, like, nostalgic about it, too. We're with our old roommate, Adam, Adam Rustock, and we were like, hey, let's all get one of these. It'll be funny, like, when we were kids. Like, not the decision you should make as an adult. Yeah, no. You can't get nostalgic with booze. <laughs> no. No. Otherwise, we'd be drinking bottles of cold duck out of styrofoam soup uh, cups in your basement, <laughs> Nick. Watching uh, Thompson's whiskey melt through that styrofoam. Oh, oh Thompson's whiskey the worst thing ever. Well, uh, moving on before we talk about drinking for... The entirety of the episode. Well, we have plenty of episodes in the future to bring up all the disgusting shit we drink. Yep. The doorbell rings. Katie goes up and it's Sophia. Katie's like, oh, Corey's not here right now. Sophia tells her, oh, I'm only here to drop off his cassettes. Katie offers her a wine cooler and then they both head to the kitchen. When Sophia asks Katie why she's not at college, she goes into this like long descriptive answer as to why she's off this semester with the schools swapping from semesters to quarters and she only needs X amount of credits. And then she goes, oh, wait, you're not my parents. I dropped out. And she starts giggling. My issue with Katie is that she, throughout the episode, flips between Yeah, being... her character has changed entirely from yeah. her first scene. Pick and a it, but it goes back at points. She goes from yeah. being like a normal character to being like too dumb to function, which I know is like a Ferg thing. She, she's kind of like... Um, I think it's they, the wine coolers. She's kind <laughs> of being like Kelso-ish at times. Yeah, but I mean, for a yeah. Kelso to work, you need like a dedicated dumb person. Right. Well, the way she like giggles to herself a lot, it was just very, it, and the problem was it wasn't consistent. So when she's acting like that here, it's all right, it's a one-off and then we, we'll see it later on. But that whole first scene where she's doing the candles and recommending her friend and stuff, she's not acting like that at all. So it's like really weird to transition and play the character so different within the same episode. It's almost like they're trying to do a hybrid of um, whatever Eric's sister is and Kelso. No, because well, Eric's, Eric's sister, sister was evil. A colossal <laughs> evil whore. So yeah. I don't really see any of that in her. But You know what I think it could be? <laughs> the scene when she acts different, she's around the dad. So maybe that's part of the facade. Like, she already has the lie for well, the Well, also, like you mentioned, goes, wait, you're not a parent. Was she So drinking? maybe she acts a certain way. 
she is drinking at this point but i don't think and i get that she's high as well she seems like she's a little stoned at this like she's acting stoned at least well that's why i said she kind of gives off a kelso-y vibe at times but i don't know i just didn't think she was consistent and i don't know we'll we'll talk about it more as the episode goes along but there was definitely a little eyebrow raising with her character and now katie asked delightful yeah katie asked if sophia actually is bisexual or not or if that was just an excuse to break up with her brother and she tells her she is, in fact, was also hoping that Katie and her could still be friends. And she's like, of course we can still be friends. And she goes, really? And she goes, no, get out. And then she starts laughing to herself. I was like, okay, what the fuck was that? Her character is just very all over the place. Yeah, I, this is one of those characters where, like, I think this is, like, pilot syndrome. Like, I imagine they have to land the plane on her a little bit, right, as the show goes on and sort of, like, stabilize some of these characters and how they act. But sometimes it's really hard for what we do to be, like, I don't get what's happening here, but maybe they were just kind of like, it's the spaghetti on a wall thing, you know? Yeah, it just seemed a little pick a lane with her at times. Um, yeah. She says to Sophia, like, you know, you'll both meet someone. And Sophia tells Katie, I actually did meet someone already. She asks her what, what she, uh, he like. He's, um, Sophia says, well, he's like a she, and she's great. I can't stop thinking about her. Katie says, you know, that's great. I'm really happy for you. And that's when Sophia goes in for the kiss. I think this was, all very telegraphed. I like yeah, they really early on, that pitch. As soon as she like walked in the house and stayed there when um she knew Corey wasn't there, I kinda knew where this was going. Yeah, me yeah. too. But again, see the thing with that is though, is I love sometimes in sitcoms where like it's the warm and fuzzies of a sitcom where you're like, I know where this is going, and that's like a comfortable feeling, you know, where you're like it's Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't have to shock thing. you, yeah. But I felt like this was a little too like I, we, we feel like you knew this is happening from the beginning, right? Because they wouldn't have introduced her if she wasn't going to somehow come into the plot later on. And she's like, and Katie's like, wow, awkward. Sophia then replies with, uh, Katie, I knew you were trouble from the first time I laid eyes on you. It's like, I, I don't know, Sophia, I think you're trouble. Katie didn't do anything. Yeah, that was, you came like, into her house. house. For her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Katie, you came into her house. Yeah, Katie's super nervous now, doesn't know what to do. And she goes, okay, thanks for dropping by. I'm just going to see myself out now and leaves her own kitchen. Leaves her own house. Leaving Sophia there by herself. I like which I, that. I did think that. I thought that, that was, was kind of funny. That was a good funny. gag. That was like when Homer gets out of the elevator, but somehow ends up sliding down the entire smokestack. See you tomorrow. <laughs> the next scene, we're back at the record store. And that's when we're actually hearing Black Flag. So I guess um, it was Corey's turn to play music. So we're listening to Slip It In by Black Flag. Which is a pretty sexual song, too, which is like, it's I so an background choice for the song because, like, you know, yeah. the lyrics are pretty, pretty rapey a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like not like a easy for a sitcom song. It's just not, um, the lyrics are near indistinguishable, like the way the level that they play it at. So it's not super concerned because I don't think anyone would be, even if they tried, would be able to hear it. But yeah, interesting that, to hear in a show like this. Like, like I oh, can't for believe sure. this is the second Black Flag reference on a TV show like this. Which reminded me of, in Freaks and Geeks, there's the punk rock episode where he meets the punk rock girl who kind of looks like this punk rock girl, and then what's-his-face is wearing a Black Flag t-shirt and comes home with a copy of Damaged. Like, I don't know, somebody who wrote all these shows is clearly a huge fan. Um, And also, one of the creators of this show, if you look up their Wikipedia, speaking of Freaks and Geeks, the only thing on their Wikipedia is about how they had a feud with Judd Apatow, because they wanted to make a... a TV show, and he thought he stole the idea for it for a Ben Stiller show sketch, and like that's the only thing, not like anything else this guy's ever written. Like it's just a weird thing, and the premise of the show is something so dumb. What was it? It's um, 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's uh, the show that he wanted to make was a grunge version of the monkeys, and no network said yes to that because it's a fucking awful idea. So they made a like a joke sketch on it, and like that's that guy's history now is just a Wikipedia. I would have hundred percent watched, watched that. that. <laughs> I would have watched that. Uh, that sounds like the worst TV show ever because grunge the, music is the absolute pr- worst. And why would you tarnish the, the grunge version of the, of the monkeys? monkeys? That would be fun. You wouldn't make the monkeys go grunge. Yeah, it's a different band. They'd probably be called the Stinkies. Yeah, you just do any premise of, of them get, making a band for a TV show. It doesn't, yeah. The music doesn't matter. Well, luckily, instead of that, we got together. And Girls 5 Ever. And Girls 5 Ever. <sighs> so Girls t- 5 Ever is pretty good, actually. We'll, we'll probably cover that eventually. Tuesday walks in. Um, she says, you know, she's back from lunch. Corey said, you've been gone so long. Why didn't you just have dinner, too? I actually thought I did like that line. Margaret said she doesn't want this place to be full of tension. She had enough of that when she was sleeping with Credence. Again, I'm like, this is not her character. She does not look like a girl who was like a perpetual groupie in the 70s, like banging everybody. Ten years ago, probably. Yeah, no, she's just burnt out from it all. Yeah, I don't know. It mm. just doesn't seem like her character type. Well, it is her character. Well, Morrison died early 70s, right? So this would have been like late 60s, early 70s, I'm guessing. Like, Christian Credence's heyday is right from the doors were happening, so... I mean, if you're saying, I mean, 20 years earlier, I can see it. Uh, just, well, I, 84, so we're talking 15 tops? 15 years-ish, yep. yeah. But Tommy John was perfect casting for what they did, and I just think this was poor casting choice with this. Yeah, it just didn't feel like she was the person who was supposed to be delivering these lines. That's that's just all I feel every time. Well, Tommy see, I will Chung, say I, I and get I think her she's for the funny. record store part, though. And I think Tommy Chung is such an easy layup because you're like, we need a stoner guy, right? Yeah, you can't just go it. find the cokehead girl, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you can find someone who's that like old groupie, like look, like <laughs> get the chick from the White Snake video, <laughs> Tony Katane. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Margaret says that, and then. Uh, finish it off with get along or I'll fire the both of you and she leaves Tuesday says did you hear that she's gonna fire you he's like not me I have seniority Tuesday's like not me I don't wear a bra boys like to shop at stores with girls who don't wear bras and he's like I can find any record in the store and she goes nipples I was like (laughs) worst forced very forced that whole yeah I'm not wearing a bra nipples Especially where she exposes, like, she opens her jacket when she's talking about how she's not wearing a bra. There's no nipples. There's no nipples. She's not, like, it's not very obvious. If she's not wearing a bra, it's not very obvious. I'm pretty sure she was in the scene. The next line should have been, I have nipples too, Greg. Can you milk me? (laughs) (laughs) It was weird that Robert De Niro popped in for a quick cameo on the pilot of that 80s show. (laughs) And then she goes, excuse me, I have a customer. The customer happens to be Corey's dad. So she walks up. It is full white linen suit, Don Johnson glory here, too. He gets a look at her and says, how do you get it to stand up, referencing her hair? And then, obviously, the reply line is, how do you get it to stand up? Talking about his winky. So now, Corey walks up. I get get help from a talking puppet. (laughs) Hangs out with me. Corey walks up, and he he says something to his dad. He refers to him as dad while he's talking to him. So now she realizes that this is his father. He goes, this is your daddy? I loved you on Miami Vice, and it's it is the the whole garb that the suit with the sleeves rolled up that very. That's typical. another very eighties reference. But also, this show this show takes place before Miami Vice would have premiered. Yeah, it's on like an extreme technicality though, because I was yeah. reading it because they so later in this series, there's a couple holidays that get mentioned, which would mean that 
So Miami Vice debuted in September of eighty. It's a fall pre fall so, pre year. Yeah, this is spring. So this is right before it came out. So I guess you could maybe make an argument that maybe some ads were out for it. But yeah, at this point, they missed the gun by a little bit. It's a little bit of a goof. Anybody here, Miami Vice fans? I think we've talked about it before. Me and my dad used to watch it way back in the day. Um, I don't remember much of it, but uh, I do remember watching it. Yeah, it still holds up in that like '80s actiony, like an A team. Like if you still like the A team or like MacGyver or anything like that, you'll enjoy Miami Vice. Still, I have the box set of it. We got it like Walmart one day last summer, and I watched like the first few seasons. It was like this is so fun to watch. I haven't seen much of it, and <laughs> this will sound terrible. I've probably seen more of the new Miami Vice than I've seen of the original Miami Vice. <laughs> I will say I did like the new movie that came out, but I haven't I didn't watched see the remake that. of the show. Because Michael I love Michael Mann stuff, but Is that the one with the rock? No. Oh. I think you're thinking of uh He's thinking of Baywatch. Either no. Baywatch or the one where uh No, he plays the cops. He doesn't play Miami Vice? No. No, the Miami Vice movie is Colin Farrell and Are you thinking um, of the other guys? Maybe. With Will Farrell? No. I'm thinking of The Rock. It's yes, The Rock's in the other off, He's a cop in that. And then they jump off the him and Samuel Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. But regardless, so Corey's dad, whose name is RT, by the way, tells him that he's decided to let Corey work for him. And Corey goes, all right, wait, I don't want to work for you. I thought the way he delivered that was really good. That was more like the Glenn Howard yeah, I knew one, yeah. was um, the way he delivered that line. And he tells him, hey, marketing's d- exciting. And um, that they have a new campaign for this great new thing called the Gut Whacker. And Tuesday says that you have Gut Whacker written all over you. Corey then says, go sweep out the closet with your head. And then she goes, so I'm punk, deal with it. That and line is hard to handle. Joe used to yes. say that all the time when we'd make he fun did. of him. I do remember that. I say it all the time now. Usually Typical on sales Joe calls. Quote. Actually, but I like it because he was able to shoot right back at her. Because that's when he goes, I love that line. you're not punk, you're retro. See, Punk was out six years ago, and I would know. I was at a Sex Pistols concert when you were listening to Bay City Rollers with your Barbie jammies on. To and be then he fair, goes, I do not love the harshness on the Bay City Rollers here. The Bay City Rollers are fucking amazing. Right, but when you There's were at room the, for both. Would you say, Joe, at the height of your punkiness, you would have uh, opened your heart to Bay City Rollers? Uh, the heart was open, but I wouldn't have admitted it. Right, right. Um, and then he says, I'm going to lunch, and he walks out. And then this I hated. Because now she's in the room, well, in the record store alone, and just to herself goes, I did like the Bay City Rollers. Hated it. Hated it. I thought it was so corny. I will say, though, for all the things, and, like, I'm a little bit of a stickler on some of this stuff when it comes to the punk shit, right? Because I'm like, okay, this is stuff I know all of, right? So I will say, Black Flag Slip It In did come out in 1984. They got that right. And they do the time right, because Sex was only ever played one show in California, and it was in 1978. It's their last ever show. It's a very famous show because it's their last ever show of the ill-fated tour, like right before everything fell apart. So at least they got that right. So I was happy to see that uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny went to go see the Pistols at the Winterland in 1978 in San Francisco. But you take that one line away. Uh, I did like them. It That line takes away from the reveal when she lets her hair down later that he was right. Right. So yeah, it, yeah. Makes, yeah. It, it doesn't make that as much of a blow at that point. Yeah. It, well, the thing was, I thought... There was just a better way to button that scene. Like, I would have just, liked maybe he shuts the door, and then to herself, she looks at him and, like, you know, falsely waves him off and goes, like, bye-bye, baby, or something like that. You know, just something or, like a, a Bay City Rollers reference, but, like, the whole crying to yourself, like, I do, I do hate my father, like, that <laughs> thing. 
That's how yeah. she delivered it, and it just didn't work for me. What I thought they should have done is, since they lean on the customers a bunch in this, is they should have had a customer walk by and be like, I love the Bay City Rollers, and then have the girl be like, get out. Yeah. Right? Like, you could have done that and still had the line delivered. And she could have, like, had, had like, an, like, an embarrassedness to her that, that would have been telling that he's correct without having him, her to say it out loud like that. Or she or, could have just picked up a record or something with the Bay City Rollers. And, or, like Joe you know, said, kinda, have a... Have, a customer say, I love the Bay City Roller. And she goes, goes oh, me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that was even better. That's better too. Yeah. From there, the next scene, we have Roger, Katie, and Corey. And they're all sitting um, on the couch watching Dynasty. And again, it starts with the TV and them showing Dynasty, which was kind of unnecessary. What was Dynasty? Dynasty was a gigantic like drama show in the 80s. Gigantic. It was one of the first ever primetime soap operas. So it was a lot like Dallas, where it was a soap opera, but it was weekly and it was on in primetime. So it was like appointment viewing, right? Because so I'll say, Gordo, no, no already. But I wanted to ask you guys, before they cut over and referenced it, did you guys um, recognize Dynasty just from seeing that clip real quick? Not I at did, all. Yeah. No. yeah. I did. I didn't. Yeah. I, I, um, I was wondering if anyone else would. I figured Joe would have, because Joe was locked in the wrong decade. <laughs> but um, I live in the past. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if any of you guys would have caught it. I, I didn't watch Dynasty, but I, I can recognize it. Is that I've the one with Tattoo? No, no, that's Fantasy no. Island. Fantasy Island. Oh. But yeah, anyways, um, they're sitting there and they're playing like a drinking game where every time someone gets slapped on Dynasty, they're going to take a shot. I will say there's a part of this scene that I thought was the most that 70s show joke of the whole episode, and I got a genuine laugh out of it. As they're watching, Katie asked them if they think. She needs shoulder pads, which I thought was just a very unnecessary, again, 80s. throw in an 80s line because it meant nothing. She's not even wearing anything. The outfit she has, her shoulders are exposed. They don't respond to her. And then she moves on and asks something completely different afterwards. So she just throws that line in for no reason and they move on from it. So that I didn't like. But from there, it pivots. She, um, she asks, or she mentions rather, that Sophia came by. And Corey's like, oh, it must all be sinking in with her now. Like, you know, she probably wants me back, doesn't she? And Katie's like, not exactly. <laughs> and she's chuckling. And being yeah, fair, though, super dumb. At first, I thought her acting here was really dumb. Like you said, like, <laughs> and then it clicked for me. And I was like, oh, wait, she's being like a shithead sibling. She's acting like she's I don't taunting know. her brother. She's and acting I like a little more. sibling with the secret, but not like she was taunting him. Roger, who's still fixated on the show, goes, oh, they're in the fountain. It's wetter and better. I saw ass. They cut back to the show. He's uh, unbearable in this scene. Yeah, he's got like the typical like horny character. But I don't know. I just thought, I don't know. I thought all that was so forced. That line was really forced. Also, if the game was you take a shot with a slap, he punches her. Yeah. I thought the same thing. They drank drank on a punch. And then Katie continues to tell Corey about the visit and says that, she brought back your cassettes and then starts laughing when she says, but she kept the party mixtapes and she was laughing hysterically as she says that. And he's like, and that's hilarious because she goes, because she kissed me. I don't know. It was, it was bad. This is a really bad, yeah, this scene. is a bad scene. Like, it was a really it just, weird yeah, way to all. make this all work. I will say that we're always talking about things we should do for uh, like Nick talks about wanting to do live episodes. I really feel like we need to do a live watch along of an episode of dynasty. And play the drinking game and watch only sober Cordo survive through the end of it because we'll all, we'll all fucking die. 
Roger turns around now because he finds out that Katie and Sophia have kissed. He goes, this is so hot. Where did this happen? Were you in the shower? Because, I don't know, it's just, it's a lot. It's very, it's very exaggerated, his character. Corey's now trying to process what he just heard. Roger's asking even more questions, asking if they, you know, went to using tongues after, and he's doing a really weird, it doesn't look like how you kiss with your tongue. Not the tongue pop, but the slap after, and then doing the shot made me That's the joke that I loved, because that felt like that 70s show to me. Because they do it so perfectly choreographed. That they all do it like perfectly in sync with each other. Yeah, because Katie slaps Roger after he asks that, and they do the shot. Which you're right. It, it that was it was good to like know their camaraderie, right? Like so you know that they're all good. He can ask a question like that, get slapped, and they're all still fine. Like it's not like a like you know their yeah. level of friendship. I think they're they set that up in the car too, when they're fucking with each other, and then they're just like best friends. Like yeah. that's the relationship they all have. But you know that Katie's kind of like that. Just that the same was what made that '70s show so strong. That camaraderie that they yeah. had. That they it was a realistic friendship. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really do enough. I mean, I know they're not trying to parody that '70s show, but they didn't do enough to establish bonds in this show quite the same way. Not in yeah, this episode. At least. But I mean, how how many seasons did that '70s show? Did that '70s show go? Like 10, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's Close no way, there's no way that you can cram 10 years of like no, chemistry but, and camaraderie. But regardless, into, like, they got it across in their pilot. For yeah, that we stuff. covered yeah, we the, pilot, the pilot and they did and a really good worked. job of like, you felt like you were part of the friend group. And that's something we talked about a lot. If you guys want to go back and listen to that 70s show. Um, but there was a lot of like establishing that they're friends and like you knew their dynamic. You felt like you could hang out with them. I feel like. With that 70s show, you jumped into the middle of the friendship. This one, you see it forming because the, the core group, like, uh, well, they're Corey, already best friends. Yeah, no, Roger but Corey, and Corey his sister and Roger, there's two little people for a show like this. There needs to be more people in that. I group agree the, for this to work. That was what worked with that 70s show was the ensemble, and they just don't have it here. I mean, they're, I, they're obviously trying to build it. But with the success of that 70s show being what it was, why wouldn't you just start with the ensemble or like that 70s show? I did think they were just trying to not recreate the same show. Well, I mean, there are things you shouldn't copy and things you should, I think. Yeah. So, I the mean, the thing is, you, you can't have it both ways. This show is directly made because of the success of that 70s show. So you can't call it that 80s show because it's that 70s show. And then be like, we want to be different from the show that we're right, I agree, yeah. coming off of. Like, so yeah, I mean, that's a yeah. good point. But I will say they're not that far off, though, too, because this group and this one's four people. And I guess you don't get right away that the ex-girlfriend is going to be part of it. But you assume that she's not going anywhere, right? Like, she's kissed the sister. She's been in this episode. That they're probably going to be the four of them together a bunch. And that's only one person less than the core group. Of and then you, you add Tuesday. You get Tuesday. Oh, and Tuesday, yeah. So it's the same amount of people. But I get that you don't have to build it. But you... I mean, even if you didn't build Tuesday, you could have just had them have animosity at work, but still be friends. You didn't have to have the introduction scene. Another issue is with the, it, um, in that '70s show, you had Red and Kitty. They felt like they, they felt like kids that are, are afraid of their parents, stuff like that. And this show, they're a li- they're slightly aged up, and they're like best friends with their dad, and it just it didn't feel like a real thing because of that. The dad felt like Bobcat Goldthwait's character. In unhappily ever after, how so? The bunny, the bunny, yeah. yeah how so though? Like in what? What's because the uh, all right, so the father was kind of a focal point 
of the the show, which the kids are. He's just more of like a off the wall kind of weird character that's kind of always there in their life. I don't see how the bunny. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not getting that. it. But if it worked for you, but um, to to go forward, <laughs> Corey tells what's him that. You what's wrong with you? You're like <laughs> the dad here really reminds me of the bunny that fucking he was hallucinating and seeing in uh, in the other show. But yeah, Corey says um how their dad offered him a job today, but he's not sure if that's something that he'd be good at. And Katie says, well, it's marketing. You're just writing slogans, which is like writing lyrics, only you don't have to make them rhyme. Like, where's the beef? And I'm like, see, now she's normal again. So she goes from being like chuckly and goofy to like snapping out of it and acting like a human again. Because she's so through that, didn't she? What's that? She did kind of chuckle through that, though, didn't she? No, she was pretty no. normal through that. I and think it's like I said though. I think it's because she's sober now. I think it's the same scene as while she's doing shots. Oh, then I don't know. Now, anybody? So they they mentioned the gut whacker a few times, right? And that's what the product is they're working on here. If you had to come up with the marketing slogan, no, we don't have time for this. Too long. Nope. Well, my question goes to this: You can't make the slogan yet unless you know this. They never explained to us in this episode what a gut whacker is. You know what I assume it is? I'm okay with that. You know how they have exercise machines in like old movies and it's just a thing that goes around your waist and shakes? So you're I think it's one of those. I thought it was food. I thought they're making like, because you know they always over-exaggerate fast food names in TV shows like this? Come get I thought the the gut whacker was like a giant burger. I assume because exercise equipment was such a huge thing at this time. like So I thought it would have been something. Yeah, something in that realm is definitely where my mind went to. But yeah, Corey says, you know what? I'm tired of being broke. I'm going to give this a shot. And Roger says, welcome to Reagan's America. God bless you, Ronnie. This is, again, where he feels really like he's doing the Alex P. Yeah, I didn't understand this at all. Very just exaggerated the character. And we cut to Corey at his first day at work. His dad just like, you know, it's just pretty simple. Just think of as many ideas as you can, and we'll kick it around later. And you get this quick montage of just Corey just struggling. And he's just kind of in all these different spots where he's just going, gut whacker, gut whacker gut whacker like he can't think of anything but just the word gut whacker and he's laying on the couch and like he's just he has nothing and his dad walks in he goes how you doing son and he just goes i've got nothing this was so dennis this was dennis this that was, was very so dennis, dennis this yeah. felt very dennis yeah uh, i just love that he's like barefoot on the couch i got nothing it was i thought this was like really funny to me and then from there we get back to the club from the beginning of the episode and again nick like this is a super unnecessary 80s reference because now we just start with this unknown character who's sitting at the bar with his phone and he's just going like guess where i'm at i'm at the bar on a portable phone no it's not a pay phone it's a portable phone and they just cut away from him and it's like okay we like we get it yeah so this yeah. exact joke got stolen from in um hot tub time machine and he's like i'm calling you from the mountain on my phone <laughs> I'm sure this joke's been made a thousand times yeah. in, you know, period pieces. I just wish they got Polly dangerously to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Corey sits at the bar to meet with his sister and Roger. And Roger asks how the first day went. He's like, oh, you know, um, I found my parking spot and I met some really nice people. And about four hours in, I was ready to kill myself. He's like, what was I thinking? And like screams help. And Roger tells him to focus. Think about all the chicks he's going to get. And it's like, okay, we, again, we get it. Just, just so over the top, yeah. Yeah. This is um when they spot Sophia walking into the club. And now Corey and Katie both kind of turn away and they're trying to duck their heads. And Roger, I guess, isn't picking up on these social cues. 
and just stands up and calls her over. So Roger tells Sophia that he needs to come clean. He goes both ways too, so he understands her needs. Sophia's <laughs> line here, I usually don't laugh at these sort of things, and I fucking died at the way she said ew. I don't yeah, know why I found ew. it so funny, but I fucking died at this. It was so good. I was too distracted by being angry that he's trying to get with his girl's ex that he like that's true too. Clearly, like broken up about like yeah. And then he says like, "Will you think about it?" And she's like, "Unfortunately, yes." Yeah, I like um, that line too. Yeah, yeah. Sophia walks up to the bar and then asks Corey how he's doing. And then the second he starts to reply, turns around and talks to Katie, and she apologizes for crossing the line and you know asks if they can go back to being friends. And Katie forgives her, and Sophia goes to give her a hug, and they cut to like behind katie so you see sophia's face during the hug and she has this like weird look on her because she's still very into katie right so this is just kind of to kind of get back into her good graces yeah i read that this was a very sensual hug yeah it was a little her face made it a little uncomfortable should have been a sniff <laughs> maybe a little sniff happened probably a sniff and then sophia says thanks the hair doll just, fell out <laughs> yeah yeah all, all those typical things yeah sophia says thank you and leaves and then Katie said something, and I tried playing it back Cop like four feel. times. She goes, oh, she copped a feel. Did she say that? I could not yeah. understand what she said at all. I couldn't understand it either. How did you hear it? You can't hear anything. <laughs> because I was wearing <laughs> headphones this time. Oh, I'll, I played it back a few times, and I'm like, I have no idea. I was like, I hope well, someone now caught it. that joke suddenly makes sense if that's what she said. That yeah, because I had no idea what was going on. And now the next scene, we're back at um, their dad's office, and you see Corey walk in. And he's just like, hey, would it be okay if I quit? And his dad's like, yeah, sure. I was going to fire you anyways. Um, the exchange simple. here is the most realistic the dad seems in the whole thing. Yeah. Like, he's actually natural. Because he's a very funny actor normally. You know what I mean? And this is where he felt like he was actually delivering. He's not playing it up too much. At this yeah. Point. It worked so much better. I don't know if it was just very similar. But that room, the, the dad's office, is the same office that. Um, what's his name? Was I'm just gonna call him Dennis because his name's out of my head right now. Was in trying to brainstorm earlier, so I don't Corey, know if they had yeah. to reuse it because they didn't have the money or what. But it, I it think was he was probably just working out of that room. office. Next scene, we're back at the record store, and during this whole scene, just to keep up with the music, we're listening to "Added Up" by the Violent Femmes. This kid walks up to uh, Margaret, and he asks if there's any Miles Davis, and Margaret replies by telling him that he's not ready. And he just looks sad and walks away. It was like, that was funny. It was weird, <laughs> that but was funny. funny. That joke works, too. That's like a very good record store joke. I like the hoodie he had on, too. That seems very time appropriate. I can't hear Miles Davis without thinking, if peeing your pants is cool, consider <laughs> yeah. me Miles Davis. I mean, I do not like jazz music, personally. No disrespect to Miles Davis, but I do feel bad that a man with a legacy like that for our generation is now only thought of as... Like the pee scene in yeah. Madison. Like I think of him, and then I immediately like, are there any horse socks? Like that whole thing is just <laughs> in our brains forever. Sorry, Miles. And then Corey walks in and tells Margaret that he made a huge mistake, and he asks her if she could go back and do it all over again. Would she do anything different? And Margaret says no, because even if she had made it, she still would have been unhappy. That's my nature. So am I to understand that maybe Margaret is also a musician that? Just maybe that's why she was around all these other bands and it just didn't work out. Yeah, no idea. Musician or groupie or, yeah, I don't poet. know. Poet. I get like a poet vibe from her. For some yeah, reason. I would get that she's not just a groupie, right? Because she's been around all these people, but she said she never made it, right? And like 
that's why I'm like, well, if she's trying to make it, she established that she was sleeping with a lot of artists back then, but yeah. I mean, every character on the show is half written. So, I mean, like, it's not surprising that we don't understand because they did a terrible job of getting it across. Right. This is one of those rare shows where not saying I'm a green lighter or cancel at all, but like outside of that, where you feel obligated after the first episode to watch the other episodes just to understand. Like the curiosity. Where these characters lie. Yeah. You just don't know enough. And um, she then hands him a barrel and tells him to take out the trash, which I assume is her way of saying, like, you still have a job here. Yeah. And then I think also a little, like, demeaning, too, to be like, yeah, you have a job here, and don't forget that your job is taking out the trash, yeah. right? And then he heads outside, and he sees someone sitting on Margaret's Harley and tells them to get off, and then that's when you see that it's Tuesday, only with her hair down. And he is very notably attracted to her with this new look. Um, She is... I mean, objectively, a very attractive woman. Yeah, um, she was good looking before. <laughs> yeah. But now you're seeing her without the distraction of the spiked hair. So you're. I, I do hate on. that trope, though, where it's like it's like the same thing as like the girl taking off her glasses. Well, that's the, the role she played in not another teen movie. I know. Like, it makes because they sense, used her like, because she's so obviously attractive and like, oh, but she's got paint on her overalls and glasses. Right. <laughs> but she's like a model level attractiveness. Like, it just doesn't make sense that he was like. Oh, when your hair was slightly different, I didn't find you attractive at all. Like, uh, that's not how this would really happen. No, it would happen. You know what you know? So, especially for him. I wasn't attracted to her with the goofy ass hair. And then when she let it down, she was suddenly attractive again to me. You know what? You know what's funny is I look at it as he's also like a disheveled older punk, right? Who's kind of half out of the game now, too. So when you see like the younger generation doing those things, you're a little like annoyed by it it's not even so much the how she physically looks but it's just like that you know what i'm saying yeah it's just he's like oh just you know drop the gimmick because now he's outgrown it a little bit so now when you see someone else doing it seeing her take her hair down a little bit and just be herself maybe he's just a little more attracted to that in general as well he's just turned on by the fact that he's right that's the most dentist thing ever let's get the system worked on this one for him because, yeah, I mean, he asks her to admit that it's what he said that made her take her hair down. Like, that's the first thing that came to mind. She's like, oh, like, you're so important to me. That one line made me change my whole image, Captain Corporate. He's like, hey, good news. I gave up corporate life to come back here, work for minimum wage, sell dusty records, and piss you off. I also didn't like that she's like, made me change my image. Because that makes you feel like she obviously doesn't really care about, or she's not really into that because she just considers it. It's her more image. the look, yeah, yeah, and and the fact that like the image outside of the hair wasn't really changed. I also like that this idea that he's like this big corporate guy just because he was given a job working for his dad's company, an intern for creating, a day. yeah, <laughs> creating day. slogans. You know what I mean? It's not like he's like the head of finances somewhere. He's just like just think of some funny slogans, like. Oh, that's, you big that's corporate how, guy. That's how these music people are, though. You got a real job. You you fucking sell out. Uh, you sign with a label. You sell out. Like, so it I mean, makes it, sense that they riff him. It is funny because, like, you know, as you get older, right? Like, still playing bands and everything, and like most of, I would say, like our contemporaries who we play with, whatever. Everybody has the same sort of thing. Every works uh, for the most part. Like a lot of people at least work like office jobs now. It's like this is what happens over time. Yeah, and I. Do you like the way that they kind of had this exchange? He says to her, like, oh, I think you want to get a coffee with me. And she's like, I was already going to get a coffee. 
But if you want to be pathetic and follow me, then whatever. He's like, I feel like being pathetic. She's like, good, because you are. This <laughs> like, is an so, odd exchange. I liked it, though. I like the neither of us want to admit that we want to hang out, so we're both going to blame the other one. Like, I liked the way they approached that. You know what a weird thought I had during this conversation was? And we kind of talked about it with, um, you know, like wine coolers before, how they, they fall away. Everybody has always gotten coffee, though. Like, <laughs> since the invention of coffee, that was like a thing to do. It doesn't matter what time you're in. Every, it's normal to be like, let's go get a coffee. Yeah. Right. It's always the non-alcoholic go for a drink. Right. Exactly. It it's a safe, yeah, it's yeah. a safe way to interact with someone like on a, like a first, not like a date, like your whole date is get a coffee, but just an easy way to socialize with someone. It's safe. Like everyone, for the most part, like, even if you don't drink coffee, there's probably something that you're going to drink. And, right. You'll, you'll find something there. Unless you're an one of the weird, I'm guessing one in five weirdos who don't like coffee. Well, it's an opportunity to like How interact with the person you're talking to, right? If you like, that's why like movies are a terrible first date because you take a girl to a movie and now you're both just sitting side by side in silence for two hours. So it's like not a good way to meet somebody. The weird thing about that though is the opposite of that is the good thing about taking someone to a movie on a first date is then going out to get a drink or coffee after because then you immediately have something to discuss. Yeah. If there's a follow up there, but it's just like you, you have to go through a two hour experience with someone first that you don't know. Oh, it's, it's a very bad first date for sure yeah. because of that. I mean, like, but I do understand the like, let's go get coffee and pie or a drink or whatever. Right. We can talk about this movie. Because even like dinner and stuff can be weird because like people can be self-conscious about eating in front of the other person or like there's a lot that goes with it. Oh, yeah. I, eating in front of somebody for the first time is always weird. Regular Ferg just shoves food in his mouth like like a fucking shovel. But <laughs> date Ferg. Date Ferg. Cuts everything really tiny. Yeah. Choose a hundred times. Yeah, now I can't. It's dateferg. Now nice I have to, to order <laughs> half of whatever I wanted to order. <laughs> or also, you're like, I guess I won't get that fifth beer because I don't want this person to know my habits. As they sit there annoyed while I'm going through the whole beer list trying to pick which one I want the most. Hold on, let me see if I've had this one before. Okay, I'll try that, that with food allergies. Yeah. That's even worse, too. But like, could you cook that in a separate pan, please? And can I speak to the <laughs> chef? Be like, you're not getting a second date out of this one. Before heading off, he does slip in. So what did you use to get your hair down? A blowtorch? She goes, why, yes, I did. Um, I thought her uh, the way she delivered the reply wasn't bad because it was um, she had like a charisma to her. But like that line in general is very stupid. Yeah. But, but um, and then Corey walks over to the door as they're leaving of the back of the record store just to like shout inside to Margaret and say that they're leaving. And then after they leave, Margaret walks up and just kind of says aloud to herself, why can't I leave? They also frame her in the bars of the door so she looks like she's in her own prison cell. Yes, exactly. I also want to point out that he showed up, just showed up to work. So he worked about three minutes and I wouldn't even call it work because he walked to the back and then he went on break for coffee. Well, he kind of got his job back. He wasn't on the schedule anyways. Yeah. But um, like, we've all gone to like our jobs, right? Like when we worked at retail jobs and stuff, you show up and someone's like, if Nick, if I showed up and you were working and you were like, hey, can you grab this thing for me because I have to go help a customer? I would do you, it. Fuck you, I'm not working. <laughs> and then, Joe, this is <laughs> where we see... Off. We see that black flag flyer like right around this point. You said you had something you wanted to mention about that? Yeah, so they zoom in on it. It's a giant black flag flyer and a bunch of Ronald Reagan 1984 election posters. But it does say black flag and then it just says San Diego. But that's a Raymond Pettibone flyer that's like very, very famous for a show from 1981. 
1984 that happened in Los Angeles and not San Diego. Um, it is ostensibly possible that somebody made a flyer by cutting up an old flyer and repurposing it. But if you spent your entire life looking at Raymond Pettibon flyers, you would know that is not the case. So I know you, that's not a real flyer. Yeah, you understand that you are of a very, very small group that would pick up on that. And then for a sitcom in general, good enough, right? Oh, no, great. Yeah, I was very happy to see it. And again, because I couldn't they believe even that went, I could remember They it. at least went out of their way to like find an actual Black oh, yeah, Flag flyer too. So All the points for everything music related in this. And, and then, again, most of the stuff they do is time appropriate, which I, I do really appreciate. Here's, and one last thing on the Margaret thing here. Her third act is so good. Like her line here at the end is great. The Miles Davis thing is funny. Her talking to him and giving him the wisdom is really good. It almost feels like they figured out who her character was as the show went on. So by the end of it, you were like, I really like Margaret. Whereas at the beginning, you're yeah. like, this is seeming, seems Oh, it's forced. in my butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, whatever. what? That sucks. But then by the end, you're like, oh, I really like this character. So that's like the conclusion of the episode. But there's the final scene, which was Corey and Katie at a piano together, just singing close to you by the Carpenters and the dad offering to no, pay the that- money to stop. This was a preview of next week's episode. They even say it right before. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a stinger yeah. too, Jay. No, that, that they was definitely- say it. Be- <laughs> they say it before. It's the preview to the next week's episode. No, I thought it said like I'd have to review the tape. Week, I think that's the end of that. Back to the episode because stinger. that doesn't make sense to start an episode. It, like it doesn't make enough sense that way. Ah, uh, because no, it's not uh, starting the episode. No, it's it was the a preview, preview for the of next part one. of the next episode. Because this was a back-to-back premiere date. Hold on. This is three to two on us right now, but I feel like we need to go to the judges because I'm on Jay's side on this one and you guys are. I mean, how would you even. I'm going to. I have it up. I'm going to watch it in 10 seconds and I'll let you know. All right. And we're back. Um, I officially reviewed the tapes and I can say in full confidence that I am right because they said we'll be back with more of that 80s show in just a moment because they ran two episodes. They ran that clip with the credits. Boom goes the dynamite. Go ahead. Concede concede i'm not conceding because you did that secretly and didn't let us see it i what yeah <laughs> you guys all have access to the same clip they ran it i with love the, the idea that it was jay just didn't watch anything he just lied they ran know. it with the credits so that is the closing scene so i'll concede these nuts so just to talk about it now assuming well, that it is, in there, Gordo. now that we know that it is part of the episode guys them just sitting at the piano singing together while the dad offers to pay the money to stop was very out of place no uh, yeah, yeah it, felt it doesn't weird. make sense. I mean, it, it makes sense in a different context, right? Like, that's a scene that makes sense in an episode to me, but it does not make sense in where it was placed in this episode. It was just very, very random. Not the and, type of song you would expect them to be singing together. You wouldn't expect to see the two of them singing together in general. Right? And even I, though they referenced older things, like they referenced Credence, they referenced The Doors and, and Miles Davis and things like that, every time they referenced a song or played a song, it was from... The that 80s. Time, yeah. So it's weird that the song they picked to play in the piano was a song from the 70s. Yeah. It was it was odd. But yeah, that's the um that's the conclusion of the episode. The actual conclusion because of that scene that's part of the episode. So that being said, um that 80s show, um, so now we've covered it. We talked about this way back. Again, I think that 70s show was our 10th episode, somewhere around there. Pretty early. And now we're into our 80s. Oddly enough, that 80s show happens to be in, in the 80s for our episode count. Yeah, it's it's very different than that 70s show, and we, we've talked about it a lot, and I don't want to drag it on too long, but just stylistically, format, conceptually, just in so many ways, it's it's just done differently 
I just think that's kind of, I don't know if that was the right approach or not. I, I very much understand not wanting to recreate the same show. When I remember when they first announced that 80s show was going to be a thing, I thought they were just getting all the characters from that 70s show and transitioning into the 80s. I right, like too. the episode be New well, Year's the, Eve 79 and then all of a sudden it's Yep. The issue with that is it was going on alongside of that 70s show. If right. this started after that 70s show ended, they could have had characters move over and stuff like that. But because that 70s show was still going on, it kind of trapped them because they couldn't do stuff in that 80s show and then have it be different in that 70s show. Could That's they have I think though? A show like- I mean, think about it though. They could have because these no, they don't exist in separate universes, right? Yeah. No, as we found out, apparently the cousins, I had no idea. One of the no. smartest things I think the show the Goldbergs ever did is every episode they say, it's March 27th, 1980-something. They never give you a date, and that gives you the ability to like play around with the entire decade. And it doesn't matter if you go, I think they're on season 11, right? So even if they started in 1980 or whatever, they're in the 90s now, ostensibly, right? So I do love that like that. They were smart enough to know to not get in that trap, whereas that 70s show does date it in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you get that point where, like, if we keep going, it's going to be the 80s. And what do we do? And I don't know if you guys remember in Boogie Nights when it goes from 1979 to 1980 at the New Year's Eve party. It transitions to a very different dark movie with (laughs) uh, the very sad suicide scene. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah, as I wouldn't have expected them to. I'm sure a lot of people wish one of those characters did now. In any event, uh, nothing left to talk about here. Uh, we'll just go into the Green Lantern cancel. Ferg, I'm going to start with you. Um, cancel? I just felt like there was too many things that were just all over the place. Each character, the only fleshed out character was, you know, Dennis's character. <laughs> and, um, you know, even him, like, he was the tale of two act. Like, I think his... When I say he, he had, like, bad acting parts, I think that was just bad writing for him. I don't blame him. But there was times where, like, you saw that he's a good actor. Everyone else was just all over the place. Um, I also didn't... That 70s show wasn't super realistic or anything, but this show was, like, no character was very realistic. It was like the writers just Googled the 80s and, were like, huh, and then they, they just wrote everything. It's like how you said earlier. Everything was flanderized. The decade of the 80s was flanderized for this show. Although I, you know, I finished it and I might actually continue this just, you know, for fun. I I don't want to green light it. So cancel for me. Gordo. There's a part of me that has a morbid curiosity to see kind of what's going on with the show. But I didn't really like it. Like I said, the, the problem with the show is that it's named that 80s show like it's not that 70s show like we touched on it's not even kind of in the realm outside of him being his cousin i was just more of expecting callbacks to that 70s show that i didn't get and these characters weren't as fleshed out uh the origin story of all these characters not not that great i don't feel like continuing like i did with that 70s show so cancel for me joe couple things first of all if i was to have a like tv show type of heaven or even afterlife you're like this is where he's happy forever 
it would be in a record store in 1984 with a giant Go-Go's poster on the wall playing Black Flag. So I'm immediately like, I love this setup and I love this conceit and I want to be there. And this is one of the co-creators who did this, who also is one of the co-creators for that 70s show with Third Rock from the Sun, also wrote Coneheads and Tommy Boy. So like there's so much to this. Speaking, there's our John Lovitz reference for Coneheads. Um, there's so much to this that um, I think I, I want to see more again. Like I'm genuinely, my interest is peaked to see more. A lot of stuff didn't land, but there were some really good jokes. And I think by the fact that the episode got so notably better as it went on, that it makes me think that that could carry over to make a second episode even better because they got their footing on even the characters for the most part by the end, right? The dad makes more sense at the end when he says the you're fired line. Margaret makes way more sense by the end. Everybody sort of pulled it together. So I didn't think this was going to be, I kind of struggled with this one, but this is going to be a green light for me. Nick, this was a unique one. I battled internally a lot because like how with other shows where you have to kind of ignore what you know about the rest of the show, if you've already seen it, I was trying to ignore how much I like Glenn Howerton and uh, know how good he does get. And Joe kind of put the cherry on top with, I wanted to see more, right? And I didn't really know why because I didn't like the episode. And Joe mentioned that it's because you're confused and you you didn't get enough. Like, you need to figure out what these characters are doing more because you didn't, they didn't, they did a terrible job with introducing these characters. Uh, There was no chemistry between them as far as I could tell. I mean, maybe a little bit between Tuesday and Corey, but that's more of a romantic thing. Like that's not what you want, especially when you consider that 70s show where it's a show based around friendship. And I didn't really get any friendship out of this. I didn't like his, you know, best friend. The story itself was super generic and boring. It it just, you know, it had its moments, but it's um it's definitely a cancel for me because it it just fell short in a lot of areas. I actually thought you were going a different way with that. <laughs> I, but it, the beginning of the show, my mind, it was still not made up, but I was like leaning green. And then the more we talked about it, the more I realized it bugged me. So I definitely uh, surprised myself a little bit too, I think. All right. So we're already at a point where my vote doesn't technically matter. But that being said, so it's funny, Gordo, you actually stole something I wanted to bring up. And it's that I think the biggest problem with this show is that they called it that 80s show. And I think because it's called that 80s show, you're forced to compare it to that 70s show. That didn't help because they didn't try to make a that 70s show in the 80s. If that's what they were trying to do, then that would have been one thing. But the show's so different that giving it that name is kind of unfair to it in a way. Um, there's a lot the show needed. Uh, I didn't like the sister's character being so flipped back and forth all the time. I thought there was some bad delivery. The the acting wasn't phenomenal at times. But I think I'm in a situation a lot like Joe where a lot of the references and the things they're pulling from are things I have interest in. So it's fun to see that in a show in a way that maybe a lot of things I'm interested in aren't it. They're not represented in a lot of sitcoms the same way. So it's kind of refreshing in a way to see some of that stuff. So despite all the work it needed and me going into this thinking this is going to be a really fun show to rip apart, it wasn't bad and cringy in the way I thought it was going to be. And I think I'm also in the situation now where I too have this curiosity to keep watching it. And I do kind of want to ride this one out and see 
maybe what other songs are being played and stuff like that. So I'm going to greenlight it. Yeah, it needs work. <laughs> it's not a perfect show by any Is means. Is it streaming anywhere, Jay? Probably not. Didn't think so. So, uh, yeah, again, sorry, because I, I like to direct you guys to where you can go and watch these episodes, but I don't think that. I think very you can find them on YouTube. I think so, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think that's maybe where I found the pilot. I don't recall. And if, if not, don't forget YouTube's uh, illegal cousin, Daily Motion. Yeah. So um, that being said, sorry to that 80s show. You are being canceled. You did not make it with only two out of five green lights. So you do not live on. So that's it for you guys. The end of the road. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Again, go to s1e1pod.com. I stress this every week. s1e1pod.com. That's where you can go to find all the links to where you can listen to us, where you can follow us on our social medias, s1e1pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are very active on that. Um, both of those, so give those a follow. Please leave reviews. Um, we would appreciate that. And again, just hit us up. If you're enjoying the show, let us know. Let us know what you would like to hear us cover. We are ever growing that list and we do take it to heart and um a lot of the things that are being suggested are coming down the pipeline so don't think that we're ignoring you we had a whole halloween situation we had to get through first and uh, we're gonna get to some of those shows you guys have been suggesting it's really fun to talk to you guys it's really heartwarming to see that we have interest in all these different areas where i can honestly say i did not expect people to be listening to us so again thank you so much everyone who listens to us every week and uh, spread the word. If you like our show, let your friends know. Because I don't know your friends. You do. So go tell them about this fucking show. That being said, guys, thank you all so much. Catch you again next week. Goodbye. I think we got the best blue... Lo- no, no, we didn't.